Welcome, flower friends, to the Local Flowers Podcast, where you'll fall in love with local seasonal blooms even more by hearing the stories from flower farmers new and experienced. I'm your host, Rochelle, from Freckled Bloom Flower Farm. Welcome. It's blooming, my friends. It's been a while since I've done an update, but to be perfectly honest, I've been so busy. What are we in? The fifth leg of summer? We had a tiny bit of taste of fall when it rained, and it was just so lovely to just feel like I could relax a tiny bit, but then the sun came out, and everything is just looking so spectacular. I know I should be tearing stuff down, but I don't want to. You know, I've worked so hard, been at this since December, you could probably even say the following fall that I actually want to enjoy it and just take it in. And if I can offer any bit of advice, I know that there are those that will quick to judge you about having flowers in your field, but why not is my question. I think we should save some for ourselves. And I will tell you in every episode that the Lysianthus is my absolute favorite flower. Are they very expensive to grow? Yes, they are. Should I cut every stem and sell them? Probably. Especially this last week, I just like kicked myself in the butt and said, knock it off. Stop feeling like you have to live up to somebody else's standard. This is your favorite flower. You love it. Enjoy it. And so I've let most of them bloom out and I have enjoyed them. I haven't enjoyed the fact that whenever the rain has decided to show its beautiful face, I've had to go out there and put my tents over them. But you know what? It's worth it because when I've picked buckets and buckets upon them and just put them in my house and shared them with my customers and my friends, it's brought me so much joy. And to be perfectly honest, whether you're a teacher or nurse or a flower farmer, you have to find joy in what you're doing and if we're just slaving away 24 7 and you fall out of love with the flowers then why are you here I mean let's be real most of us left a profession and I guess I could speak for myself left a profession in which you know didn't really have that much stress and I wanted to be home and to be with my flowers and so I've just got to find the balance so that I actually enjoy it yeah and Am I tired and like 100% done and would like to hibernate for the rest of the winter? Absolutely there. Totally there. But at the same time, I'm just trying to really enjoy it. So I will kind of do just some highlights of week 38, 39, and 40. And this is where it is really important to have a journal. And I've been really sucking at this. So I need to follow my own advice. But these last three weeks have just flown by. I haven't had a chance to sit down here and do a little bit of a recap. So I'm going to look through my phone at all my pictures, which my diary is my phone. At some point, I don't even know, I've got thousands and thousands of pictures. And this is something, I saw somebody doing a comparison of the iPhone 15 to the previous uh, versions of the iPhone and the photo quality, and I loved her post. And I think I have like an 11 Pro. I don't think I want to get rid of this thing. I hope it lasts me forever because the camera in my iPhone 11 
7 Pro is phenomenal. And I've seen some of the reviews on the newer phones and there are some disadvantages. So iPhone, please stay healthy. But it is my lifeline and I really, everything goes to the iCloud, but I need to figure out a way to put it on a device that I can go through all my photos and organize it. There are so many things like that that are on my list and really just are driving me a bit crazy if I'm honest. There's things that I need to do on my website. There's things that I need to do. I need to actually subscribe to MailChimp or some type of email system versus, yeah, I'm totally still using Gmail, which is not working and I need to fix that. But I've got stuff to do in the field. So I just had this really long list of crap I need to do that really requires the winter time to sit down and do and it's just and all that stuff stacking up but cataloging all of my photos is definitely on that list because it's my marketing material so just a reminder too: snap those photos because in the winter time you're going to need to be able to post pictures of your flowers for to sell your subscriptions or wedding packages or whatever your outlet may be. So take lots of pictures and also just keeping connected with your customers during the winter time. So I didn't do it this last year, but I did it the year before. I did it every Sunday. I highlighted one particular flower and just gave some fun facts on it. And so that way I was still engaging with my customers I was sharing information, educating them, and they really actually enjoyed that. So that is, again, on my list to do for this winter time. But I haven't been able to do as many pop-ups as I had loved to. I've just been so busy at home and managing my other business, and just the field has demanded a lot out of me. Staying on top of deadheading and harvesting the dahlias has been big, but oh my my gosh, they are so beautiful. And I definitely have my favorites and I'm really starting to make a list of that. And as I'm entering into my fourth season, it's like the light switch has gone off finally, where I am able to critique a flower and say, I love this about you. I need to make more of you and focus in on what I really love, my customers love, the colors that I'm using and selling, and really focus in. But to be honest, I wouldn't have been able to get to this point had I not tried a million different things. And I know people will comment about, well, here are the top five flowers to grow as a flower farmer, or these are the flowers that are profitable. But I just made a custom arrangement the other day and I posted this on Instagram. But had I not had a diversity and selection to pick from, it doesn't mean that you have to grow 5,000 plants of a particular variety, maybe grow just a handful of them, trial them, see if you're going to use them. And I was so thankful as I'm creating this beautiful arrangement that I had the diversity in my field and gardens to pick from to create a unique arrangement that I'm really, as I'm going into my fourth year, I'm honing in on my style, what sets me apart, and by doing that, I 
I'm growing my business and myself. And it takes time to get there. If I look at some of the very first flower arrangements I put together, it's humbling, but they were still beautiful. And do I need to add some further education to my portfolio? That's on the list too. It's just finding the time to do it is the challenge. So there's just so much going on in my head and just trying to keep up with everything. In addition to you're running your kids around to all the sporting activities, it could be a lot. But even on those courts or on the fields of the cross country meet, you can find connections and customers there. So I've just been chatting with all the parents and sharing what I do. So the other day I have this really cute story. So I'm out in the field and I'm harvesting flowers and the bus comes up and drops Natalie off and some of the neighbor girls and one of the neighbor girls friends, she walked over to me and she said, your house and your flowers are so beautiful. I love riding the bus every day because I get to drive by and see your beautiful flowers and all the flowers that change. It just makes me so happy. I could not stop bawling in front of her. She's telling me this and I just said thank you. You know I work really hard for this and I just really appreciate that and I posted a reel with Lady Gaga saying exactly that. It's always been me to be humble but I think oftentimes we work so hard that when somebody gives you a compliment like that it's okay to acknowledge that yes you did work your butt off and thank you thank you for acknowledging that I've put a lot of work into this and so I just welcome you to embrace all those beautiful comments and just thank people for it I'm just like scrolling through my phone looking at all the flowers my mom and dad came to watch my son do one of his cross-country meets and I just harvested this huge bouquet of lisianthus for her and took a picture and a video of her with it and that is one photo and video I'm going to treasure so much because you know this love and passion really started with my mom and my grandma Kayla of always just sharing beautiful flowers with me being out in the garden with them and so I actually was able to see my grandmother finally and I presented her with a bouquet and she was sleeping and so I just left her with it and she called me later and she just would not stop talking about those flowers. They just lit up her world and for the woman that was a farmer herself and she was great gardener. She didn't have a master gardener title but she always had the best garden and now as she's gotten older and unfortunately does not have the ability to do that anymore getting a compliment from her was just so I don't know heartwarming and just lovely but the star of my show right now are my lisianthus they're just so pretty I, I just absolutely love them and I'm staring at seed catalogs and I'm like I'm gonna try this I'm gonna try this I'm gonna try this I'm gonna try this I think that's one of the advantages of growing the lisianthus from seed is you can try a lot of different varieties that maybe aren't in the plug form so I'm excited to do that and I was actually looking at a post where somebody was saving their seeds this is gonna be 100% an experiment 
it, but I am going to try to save some of the Lysianthus seed. It may not be successful. I may not even have any luck with it, but I'm going to give it a try. Also, the dahlias. At the beginning of the season, the plants looked absolutely beautiful and luscious. And when I got my first blooms, I did see some bug pressure especially on the white dahlias. But as the season has progressed to now, I'm not seeing a ton of bug pressure, which is really interesting. And I'm sure we can get into the science of all this. What I think is a huge advantage to me is I have such diversity in my field and I have those random sunflowers. I've let a lot of stuff go to seed and I have a lot of birds foraging in my field and I think that they may be killing or eating the bugs. So I haven't had as much bug pressure towards the end of the season and I'm just really thankful because peaches and cream is my ultimate favorite dahlia. It has been the most gorgeous beautiful bloom. I just love her so much. I found that her color has changed throughout the season. Holly Hill Miss White is another favorite of mine and Linda's baby. And Linda's baby too, I've seen, she's transitioned throughout the season. At the beginning of the season, I almost didn't even know who she was because I suck at labeling. And I always like dread when people ask me what the Dahlia's name is because I'm like, I don't know. I lost track. I'm not in this to like sell the tubers. I just want to grow beautiful flowers. I'll figure it out eventually. And my video diary that I took of when I planted my tubers and my cuttings did not (laughs) help me at all. So I also had a puppy at the time and the tags that I did have out there got chewed up by him. So I blame him too. But I think it's Linda's baby. But at the beginning of the season, she was just such a beauty. Such a beauty. But her color, now towards the end of the season, has transitioned to a lot of what I'm seeing other growers have. So I have used her so much. That peachy color, to me, is perfect. It goes with everything. If you want to put a burgundy arrangement together, peach goes great. If you want to do blush, peach goes great. If you want to do orange, peach winner, pink winner. It's just this color that really offers everything to an arrangement. So I'm going to focus a little bit more on some peaches and I know burgundies. Burgundy is another color that I've just fallen in love with, especially in this fall time when the, the selling picks up again. Folks want that kind of fall themed arrangement and the burgundy has been a huge hit. And Rochelle's burgundy garden bunch are even bigger hits so I need more burgundy and I love the miniature dahlias they are perfect because I didn't even know there was homecoming and usually I don't hit homecoming because we have a frost but as I mentioned earlier in the episode we're in like the fifth sixth leg of summer I don't know if the frost is ever going to get here maybe in November or December at this point the way we're going it's still 
still yesterday was like 90 degrees. And one of my friends reached out to me and was saying, hey, Rochelle, are you doing homecoming corsages? And I was like, absolutely. I have all these beautiful flowers. And so I was kind of late to the game on marketing the homecoming corsages and boutonnieres. But I don't know if it's really a thing with the kids these days. But when I presented one of my friends the corsage, as I presented it to her, I said, you know, I don't do all the ribbons. They're just beautiful flowers. They're unique and different. And she just chuckled and she said, yep, as I was referring you to another mother, I said, you can either have all of that ribbon with one single rose or have Rochelle's unique creations. So that was kind of a really awesome compliment and I absolutely love doing corsages and boutonnieres. They're one of my favorite things to do. As I've done more and more of them, I am learning the particular flowers. So I don't hot glue anything. I create mini little boutonnieres and then I tie them together with string so that everything can be taken off the band and the band can be reused and flowers can be composted. But I did try to incorporate some everlasting flowers in there so that I don't know about you guys but I as I cleaned my bedroom out not too long ago at my mother's house I still had one of my homecoming corsages tucked away in my closet so if they do choose to save them it would dry beautifully Beautifully. So that was kind of the goal with the flowers I was picking. But even as I was using Lysianthus, some of them did take me a long time and I was kind of beating myself up about this. But then I also reminded myself that I'm still teaching myself and that there is a learning curve with it. I'll get faster in time. But as I'm working with different flowers, I'm just noticing how I have to care for them and handle them and how I have to place them on the band to make them set up and be beautiful. So it was a great opportunity to get my name out there again with these younger kids. And as my kids are getting older, I'm finding more connections with the parents. But uh, one of my friends I gifted her a corsage and she was like I need to pay you and I was like nope you just make sure your daughter is out there marketing freckled bloom so that when it comes to prom and all the couples are contacting me for prom corsages and boutonnieres but as we're talking about everlasting flowers I gotta give a shout out to my straw flower oh my goodness I have never grown straw flower like this before and I've been harvesting on them since the very beginning of the season as they were shorter plants okay this is where you know people say to pinch your plants but I and live under the philosophy of pinching by harvesting and so at the very beginning of the season I'd have the kids out there with buckets and I'd have them just chop off the heads and then I'd dry just the heads and I'm able to use them on my mini pumpkins I'm able to use them on future projects that I want to do and so now I have these buckets upon buckets of just the straw flower head but what it did was it essentially pinched the plant by harvesting the straw flower head and now those plants are just huge and I mean every week I am not only harvesting the blooms but long stems every single single week and so I am every bathroom has got straw flower hanging in it you know I failed in the gomfrina I 
don't know what happened this year. I will try it again. The plants just did not take off. I think too, I'm really cool. And so they may have wanted hotter weather. And I know that some people around here would beg to differ, but it really wasn't that hot of a summer. Yeah, we had some days that were hot, but not super hot. And so I have found that like Gomfrina and Celosia just do not take off for me. As like I see most other flower farmers have. Do I have any tunnels? Nope. And that's one thing that I have come to terms with is I do not want to grow in a greenhouse. I do not want to grow in a high tunnel. I do not want to do hoops and cover all winter long. I'm drawing a line. It's just me. I want to keep this operation small. And so what is going to give me work-life balance and doing overwintered flowers is not it. So I'll start them in early, early spring because come January and February, I am desperate and I love starting seeds. And last year I trialed, you know, starting cool flowers in the ground earlier and earlier and I had great success. I'm not out to have super early blooms. I want blooms to start when my subscription starts and when Mother's Day hits. So if I can get those cool flowers to bloom around those times, that's perfect because that's when I need flowers the most. So anyways, going back to the straw flower, they've just been so incredible and so impressed. I have harvested the tiny bit of gomfrina that I had just chopping off their heads like I mentioned with the straw flower and drying them for future projects. The zinnias are just gorgeous. I've been deadheading harvesting and they just keep pumping out blooms uh, which I am a little surprised. Some of the plants were looking really sad there when it got really really hot but as the weather cooled down they've just been absolutely thriving and I've also been collecting some seed. I'm not out to have the perfect bloom or the perfect color. I just want to see what they will give me. So I'm saving zinnia seeds. I'm saving the lisianthus seeds. I've been direct seeding a lot. I started earlier on in the season, like I had mentioned in previous episodes, and most of those cool flowers have actually germinated and look amazing. And so we shall see what comes up in the spring. And if anything, that's my early, early spring crop. And then I'll plan on a second succession by those that I start inside. Or if I decide to do some in milk jugs, for instance, and overwinter them. Also, can I talk about my ranunculus experiment? This is where Rochelle was not following their traditional books and advice. I just thought, given my environment, I'm close to Mount Hood. We're pretty high up in elevation. There's a significant difference between my town and my location. And so I have also, by growing on my place for almost 15 years, but really being intentional and observing a lot within the last three to four years, I have got to know my space really well. And also I've learned so much about flowers 
and just being able to plant a particular flower in different locations on my farm, I'm learning where they do best. And ranunculus, for example, I save some of the corms from the spring, like the purples and that rusty red color. And I said, you know what, I'm going to try fall ranunculus. And so don't ask me the exact date. I'm going to have to unbury it in some of my notes. But I put those corms and I put them in the ground in July in a spot that stays cooler and shadier and the plants are luscious and I have buds now. So that's really exciting. I was a 100% experiment that I thought I would try. Will I start them a little earlier? Yes, I will get them in the ground a little earlier. Even my ranunculus I left in the ground from the spring have started to sprout and their foliage looks beautiful. So with our sixth leg of summer, who knows? I might have a huge ranunculus harvest. But that's just exciting because I find that I'm wanting to have these unique and different flowers that folks aren't growing in their backyards and that separate me from the competition. So if I can raise fall ranunculus, that's amazing. One of my rows that was direct seeded all poppies, I did let it go to seed and some of those poppies are actually coming back. But I put a cover crop of facilia down and then I also direct seeded a bunch of amaranth and then another secession of Cosmos. It's become my favorite row because it's just so lush and beautiful and the soil is incredible. And I've been using that amaranth so much and oftentimes people will be like, well, it's like six feet tall. And then another advantage of not having landscape fabric on your beds, mine's just covered in yard debris compost. I'm able to direct seed and the bed fills in itself. Do I still have to weed? Absolutely. But I'm under the philosophy if you do a bit of prevention you will like yourself in the future. So I go out every day and I pluck out baby weeds as the seed is starting to germinate but in that row I just direct seeded with my old hand the amaranth. I just spread out the seeds, spread out the cosmos seeds, spread out the facilia seeds and the whole bed is filling in so beautifully. But I don't have to worry about digging in a hole and putting some seeds in there and that whole bed just fills in so lusciously. I don't thin out anything and it holds itself up. The amaranth is a perfect example of by not thinning it out. I'm, I actually have usable stems. They stay shorter. I don't need like super, super tall stems. So I've used so much of that amaranth. And then I'm really happy with myself that I did that second secession of Cosmos because my Cosmo row is beautiful, but the stems look really sad. So I've mainly just kept it for myself and the bees, but the second secession of Cosmos, I've been able to add them into the bouquets. And you know, when that first bloom opens up, I put it in, but it's also got a stem of other buds on it. And then those buds have bloomed in the vase for me. I just am really proud of that row. And eventually um, I'll put a tarp on it. We'll let that facilia actually I'll go over with everything with I my number one tool folks is my lawnmower everybody's like how do you keep your bed so clean is my lawnmower 
I have my living pathways in between each row. I was just out harvesting a bunch of lisianthus. I'm stripping the stems in the living pathway. I'm making a mess in those living pathways. And then I bring my lawnmower in and I chop it all up and it goes right back into the bed. I don't have to haul buckets or wheelbarrows full of stems to the compost pile. I'm just chopping it up with a lawnmower and it's adding organic material back into the beds. I know when you're looking at the pictures, like it may look like a lot of work. And the thing is, (laughs) everything takes work. It's just being smart about it and figuring out your own process. And I found that those living pathways offer so much for me. And my husband was walking through the field with one of his friends and he's like, oh, there's so much clover in your grass, Rochelle. And I was like, I don't care. I just want it covered. And so much so that I've seeded the whole edge of the field with grass and I don't irrigate it. We get so much rain and moisture that most of the year it stays really beautiful and lush other than like, you know, end of July, August, it starts to dry out. But it the edge of the field I want to be able to not have mud and so it's just been a dirt pathway but especially in the fall I can't drive on that dirt because with the tractor or the lawnmower because it just creates mud and rivets whereas the living pathways they're wide enough that I can take the lawnmower down I can even take my tractor down it so last fall when I was planting all those specialty daffs and adding compost to each one of the beds, I was able to drive down the row with my tractor and dump. You know, I had to shovel some of it out of the bucket because I didn't want to drive the tractor into the bed itself. But thinking about your space and how you use your space probably is the most important thing about starting your flower farm. And I'm just really happy that I made that decision to kind of number one, have the living pathways for so many reasons and I did comment to my husband that all that clover in the living pathways is food for pollinators because the bees the bumblebees all of it have been feeding off the clover the flowers just everything my farm is in abundance with critters and I absolutely love it speaking of fall I usually have all my fall bulbs shipped to me in early November because I got to get through Halloween, my daughter's birthday, and then I can focus on planting bulbs and spreading compost. And so I've gotten some bulbs and I've just been actually they're in my flower cooler staying cool and eventually I'll get out there and plant them. As I mentioned earlier, the field just looks so beautiful. I wish I could be selling more flowers, but I think people have been obsessed with my mini pumpkins. I will, you know, stock the stand every weekend and the pumpkins are the first to go and the flowers are left, which is so unfortunate because they're beautiful, but it is what it is. I have decided to cut off on the pumpkins because it seems like everybody and their sisters doing pumpkins now, but we had a very successful dried flower pumpkin season and so I will definitely do it again. 
I am just throwing away a majority of my pumpkins from last year, actually. I still have two from last year that look amazing. So I guess that's good for the customer, maybe not so good for me, but I did have some returning customers that bought more this year and they make the perfect gift. The flowers are just looking so beautiful. I have been working on dried flower arrangements as well. I save a lot of my hydrangea, which I dry throughout the season. And just by even making my own arrangements, but posting it on social media, I've had a lot of inquiries for people to have me make their dried flower arrangements. On my list to do is the launch of my season three of my CSA. I have so much to think through on that and I just need a moment to do it. As I'm scrolling through my phone, it's all about <laughs> the Lysianthus. I have like 7 million pictures of Lysianthus. What can I say? They're just so pretty. I got some more scoops that I was able to transplant. I also got some Solidago. I found that I absolutely love Solidago in all the different varieties. So I got some more varieties that I can use. It's just such such a beautiful flower. It's so long lasting. And so I'm starting to plant perennials. I'm really trying to prioritize what I'm spending money on. And so I have focused on just certain things that I'm going to invest in in this next year. I've got more peonies coming and I'm going to have to figure out where I'm putting them. But those tried and true varieties. The rest of the peonies that I have offer me this beautiful diversity that I can pick from. But this time around, I focused on two varieties that I wanted to have in abundance. And so I was a little late to the game on ordering them, but they should be here soon. I do want to add some more Coral Charm, but they were sold out. But that's okay. My uh, pocketbook will thank me for that. Shall we talk about the Heirloom Mums for a second? They are coming on strong and beautiful. As I was scrolling through the internet, potentially thinking about what varieties I would add, I was really focused in on the bloom time. I want those early bloomers. And so I have a lot of them now and they're kind of more on the blush side, whereas it does appear like the more fall color ones are later bloomers, but I'm thankful I did that this last season because they're the peaches, the blushes, the whites, and I'm able to, you know, use them in all different arrangements. Plus, they last forever in the vase. They're just so beautiful, and I'm going to focus on taking more of my own cuttings from them and just multiply my stock. I've got a lot of seed variety dahlias that are coming up and a couple of them are super pretty. And speaking of seeds, I am also going to save some of my dahlia seeds. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not into the whole breeding world. I just don't have time for it. But hey, if I get some beautiful dahlias out of those seeds, that would be awesome. So saving some of the dahlia seeds as well. Also, I'm trying to document stuff as much as possible right now, just so I can be reminded of it. And honestly, we're about ready to launch into Christmas tree harvest, and I will be 
right there beside my husband, helping harvest the trees and get them onto their destination. So that's a top of mind right now too on our farm. So yeah, I hope that helps for a farm update. I know that you guys are probably doing what works best for you in your space in this stage. And I just hope that everything is going well for you and you've been inspired by this season. And there's so many things that you've learned, but also take a moment to just admire all the hard work that you've put in and the beauty that you've created. Because oftentimes, just like with everything, we tend to dwell on what went wrong versus what went right. And so if you are dealing with disease or pests, just try to look at what went well and what bloomed fabulously. That's the deer problem with me. You guys know. I've just given up on anything that they're going to eat and moved on with my life. The roses are something I will go to war at. And I'm telling you guys, my jungle has paid off because I'm pretty sure those little turds have been out in my field. They uh, ate all of my flowering kale. So there will be no flowering kale on my farm. I tried, but that was, this is where a packet of seeds is a really inexpensive investment. So I always encourage people to try growing things from seed first because that's not going to hurt as big as, you know, a bigger investment in a particular crop. So, well, friends, I hope you're doing well and I may not be back for a while. That's where I just ask for your grace. I'm just trying to keep up. I've been better at getting the flower farmer chats out and I just thank all of my guests for such great conversations. It's really lifted my spirits up just to have these conversations with our flower friends. It's just been so inspiring and I'm just so thankful that they're here willing to share how they have evolved in their flower farming journey. And if you want to join the conversation, please reach out to me. As I mentioned in one of my latest episodes, I am on the goal to have somebody from all of the 50 states. So I have some gaps. If you're a state that hasn't been represented on the podcast yet, please reach out to me. Let's get you scheduled for an interview. I don't care if you're in year one to year 20, you're big, you're small. I think all of our voices need to be heard. So please reach out and let's get you on the podcast. Thank you, friends, and take care. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for joining in to the conversation. And together, all boats will rise and local flowers will be blooming fabulous in all of our communities. So if you are a fellow flower farmer that want to join in on the conversation, please reach out to us to get you scheduled for a podcast episode. And if you're just listening in and enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, your family, and everybody you know. We really appreciate it. Thank you.